0: What would you do if you were king? Hire people that make chocolate. <laughs> that, that is very... And, and how much chocolate would there be in your kingdom of Canada? I don't know. Maybe a hundred? A hundred. A hundred billion pieces of chocolate. All right. And what would you do if you were king? Oh, buy McDonald's. <laughs> you would buy McDonald's and you would everybody get a happy meal? oh he's a you what they will get a big mac they get a big mac okay, so they get something but we wouldn't get the toy no. oh that's too bad and what would you do if you were the queen of canada i would get a chihuahua and a queen size bed Ch- <laughs> chihuahua and a queen size bed and would you want everybody to have a chihuahua no no just yourself would other people be allowed to have chihuahuas Oh, wow. So there's an edict, a rule in place in your kingdom. Well, thanks very much. Give our kings and queens a round of applause. Awesome. Well, you might be saying, Mike, why did you get a whole bunch of Burger King paper crowns and all that? Uh, Do you mind if I'm down here kind of with you guys there? Awesome. Uh, There is a guy in the Bible who became king when he was just eight years old. And his name is, does anybody know? Josiah. Josiah, what a, yeah, that was smart, awesome. Uh, and so you can put the verse up there right now. We're going to talk about him, the beardless Jesus. Says Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidiah, oh, I wasn't actually going to read it because I can't say all these names, but, <laughs> and daughter of Aadiah, A, uh. somebody say it. There you go. She was from? Great. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Let's get some history on, uh, in, on uh, Josiah. So first, God's people, Israel, were no longer one nation, but they were two. And you can show the map here. Uh, there was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, or Israel and Judah, uh, and at that time, both nations were not following God. Actually, the kingdom of Israel was no longer a kingdom at all because they were completely wiped out by the Assyrians, says 2 Kings. 17. And so no more Israel. What they did is they went in and uh, they took over. They deported all the people to another land. And then uh, how they took over so that nobody would be able to rebel is they brought in people from other lands to populate that area. And so now there's, there's nobody from Israel actually uh, that was born an Israelite. Now in Israel, there's only Judah. And Judah was an interesting story as well. You think, okay, well, Judah's going to do some good. But no, it was kind of a roller coaster battle for Judah. You'd have one king that was super, super good, and then a low, and then a high, and then a low. And when the king did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, then it was amazing. Then great things happened for Judah. And then when a bad king came and did what was not right in the eyes of the Lord, Uh, There was stuff that would happen. Cities would get taken over. And that's kind of how it went. And I don't think they they were a little bit thick because they never got it. Then when we do what's right, then good things happen. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me, I am a diehard Canucks fan. And it reminds me of the Vancouver Canucks. I am with them through thick and through thin. So when they're doing good... I'm on, on board, and when they're doing bad, I'm on board with that as well. You know, when Trevor Linden came to the Canucks, that was awesome. When Mike Keenan decided to get rid of him, man, that was a bad day. But he came back. When Bertuzzi finished his first year and stopped skating, the Canucks did poorly. And, you know, then there was the highs of Luongo, the lows of Marc Messier, And, you know, they had good seasons and bad seasons and barely made the playoffs. But, you know, I'm with my team. And God is with His team, Judah, in this, even though they're doing bad. And uh, up and down, and he wants them to do bad. And so, when I look at uh, the sec, uh, actually the whole book of Kings, First and Second Kings, and some of Samuel, you see uh, a key w- uh, passage there, and we saw it on the slide earlier. It says, "Did what was right in the eyes of the Lord." Whenever they mentioned a king's name, they said whether he did right or whether he did wrong. And I find myself—I don't know about you guys—but cheering, just rooting on right in these kings. I'm like, "Come on!" Come on, be a right king. Be a right king. And then I'd read it and I'd I'd get disappointed with people like Manasseh. And we're going to look at him in a second. But I could get really happy because Hezekiah did some great things for God. And this has nothing to do with Josiah. I'm just giving you a bit of background. Uh, Hezekiah got rid of all of the high places, which were places that people erected uh, to uh, give homage to different gods that weren't Yahweh, our God. And so he got rid of those high places. Uh, Some of these were even uh, dedicated to creation itself. They would worship the rocks. They'd worship the starry hosts. And he tore those down. He cut down the Asherah poles, which were a religious symbol of worship to the god Asherah. And You know, this would be great, Josiah, eight years old, would come to reign in this great environment, but no. Then Manasseh succeeded Hezekiah as king, and he did what was wrong in the eyes of the Lord. And he reigned, not for a little while, he reigned for 55 years. So my buddy Scar did some bad stuff uh he if you look in in the uh, all throughout first and second kings he is quite possibly the most immoral most ungodly king in all of Israel and all of Judah he is the king that did the worst there is more negative things about him than any other king in scripture Uh, Here's some of his exploits. Uh, He rebuilt the high places that Hezekiah had just taken down. He put up stuff for Baal and uh, Asherah poles. He built altars to the starry hosts again. And listen to this. He put up an altar of Asherah in the Lord's temple. No other king would think, oh, I'm going to put another god into the Lord's temple because the Lord's temple was sacred. They at least knew that. But he defied God, and he put Asherah into uh, God's temple and sacrificed his own son on the altar. He practiced sorcery, consulted mediums. uh, He shed so much innocent blood. And, as my little logo says, he did so much more. We're just not going to talk about it, because this is a G Sunday. It'd make it at least PG-13 or even rated R, so we're not going to talk about that. What we are going to talk about, though, is the king that came after it. Manasseh passes, and Josiah becomes king. Josiah is Manasseh's son. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he ruled for 31 years. Uh, if you go down some of the slides there, we can just get to there. He longed to know God and to follow his ways, uh, and he just wanted to obey And so he decided that he was uh, going to repair the temple. And so he got all these contractors together. And, oh, Uh, this is just a little bit embarrassing. I I seem to have forgotten some of my notes. Um, The uh, the PowerPoint's not going to help me. Are are you sure you can't help me? I'll I'll take that as a no. Okay, so I've lost my notes. Kids, can you help me? Kids? Kids? Guys, youth, can you guys help me? Somewhere in this room, there is a scroll with the rest of my notes on it. And and there's a hint, it might be under a table. Okay, can you go right now? Quick! We have a sermon to get to. I can't believe I misplaced it. It it might be taped to the underside of a table. I don't know, I like to do that type of stuff. (laughs) While I'm prepping for my sermon. Maybe under the welcome table. (laughs) You found a piece of paper on the ground? It's a scroll. Oh, he found it. Ben found it. Come on. Give him a round of applause. Now I can continue my sermon because I have my scroll. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. Ben, I don't know what I'd do without you. You know what? This works perfectly into what I'm talking about. How funny I should lose that <laughs> scroll and you should find it. <laughs> uh, Judah had lost something important to them. They had lost the book of the law. Do you guys know what the book of the law is, kids? Anybody? The book of the law? What, what is it? the Bible. Yeah, it was pretty much the Bible of that day. They didn't have Daniel yet because Rakshak and Benny hadn't have refused to eat the bunny yet. And, um, you know, they, they didn't have all these these uh, New Testament stories, awesome things about Jesus and, and Paul and, and all that. They didn't have that yet. Uh, but what they did have was called the Book of the Law, and they would read it. But it, interesting to their culture is, unlike us, where we pretty much forget what happened five minutes ago, thanks to TV, they, back then, memorized everything. They didn't have a Bible for each person. They had one that they would read at the temple. And so, you have to give them at least some credit, that they had it memorized, and they were working on it. But the problem is is that this evil scar character, Manasseh, was putting other things into their mind, things that weren't of God. And so they had lost the book of the law and they had to find it. And funny enough, when Josiah and his heart and longing to serve God, even though he had forgot some things and he didn't know entirely what to do, but he said, I'm going to serve my God. I'm going to repair the temple and we're going to start there. And he got all these contractors and he said, he trusted them. He didn't say, okay, I'm going to keep tabs on your money and you know come to me every week and I'll give you a paycheck. He gave them the money of the temple and he said, I want you to go and repair the temple. And as they were, rummaging through all the stuff in the attic and going behind the Asherah pole that was there. They found the book of the law and they were so excited they brought it to Josiah. And they said, you know, here's the book. And Josiah read it. And after reading it, he tore his robes and he mourned because Judah had not been doing, they had not been following the ways of the Lord. And they were sad. After this, he got all the people together. And this wasn't like just the elders or, uh, you know, just the people who were rich enough to receive a seat at the king's table and listen to what he has to see. He got everybody together from the least to the greatest. All there, and he read the Bible to them. He read the book of the law. And afterwards, right there, he made a new covenant with God. He renewed his covenant with God and saying, Judah will serve the Lord, Yahweh. And it was a great celebration. They had the first Passover that they had had uh, since the Judges, it says in Scripture. And that's a long time. If you read how many years have gone by since they celebrated the Passover to this magnitude, it's huge. And Josiah was, oh, it's exciting. The Canucks just scored a goal. They won the Stanley Cup. You know, they're doing what's right here. Josiah had gotten things right. And he did so much more than that. He went and he totally destroyed the high places. Uh, I, as you might have figured out, I'm not uh, going to go through uh, two chapters of Scripture with you. Instead, I'm just kind of summing it up. So uh, love for you guys after this to go home, read it, uh, tell me what you think of it. And, uh, and all that, but I, I'm just going to kind of go through the rest of it here. What, what Josiah did uh, was the most exhaustive list of good for Judah that is listed in scriptures. The high places. Um, he took the Asherah pole out of God's temple. He basically undid everything that, that Scar had done to Judah. And this pretty much sums up what, uh, what Josiah's reign was in 2 Kings 23, verse 25. It says this Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, with all his heart and with all his, uh, sorry, and with, with all his soul and with all his strength, in accordance with the law of Moses. Now it's interesting that although Josiah, he didn't have the book of the law on him at the time when he was uh, reigning for those first 18 years. By the way, the, uh, he found the book of the law and repaired the temple in his 18th year, which would make him 26 years old. So when he was 26, uh, he, he did all this. Um, but throughout his reign, it says that he did what was right. So throughout the 18 years previous to finding the book, he longed for God. And I find that so interesting you know, as I think of some of my friends that are are longing for spirituality. They're they're longing to know whatever higher power and they're searching. And and I just think that's so great, you know. Some sometimes they'll be studying other religions, is this the way? And and you it's so much better than if they were to not do it at all, to just say no, there is no god and I'm just going to live in the stuff. You know why it's so good is that Their soul gets it. Their soul gets God. Their soul gets the longing for God. The mind, it just hasn't got there yet. You see, the mind's a little bit slower. But the soul, if their soul gets it, then they'll find the true God, Yahweh. So So if you're here today and you're searching, keep searching. Keep trying to find God and he will come to you. Because ultimately, like I said, there is a God, Yahweh, and he is the one true God. And he is the only one that can fill us with his fruit. So many people try to, to fill the world, uh, their lives with the world's stuff. If I just have that iPod 4, then I will truly, I, iPhone 4, sorry. If they, if they just have that, then, you know, I'm going to be happy if kids just get their, their new P.S. A gazillion because they keep coming out with new models, if we just have that, then I'm going to be happy, Mom. If I just get that car, if I just have that job, if my kids just do well. And people keep searching for more and more stuff and relationships that are broken and they look for God in that and it's not there. The only thing that can fill us is the God-shaped void In ourselves, our soul is longing for it. Our mind is searching in the wrong areas. What they really need is God's joy. And is that not amazing to experience God's joy? And look at all the other stuff on here. There's a ton of other things that Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23 says. Is it coming here? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and I forgot love. How could I forget love? If you're lonely, he will pour out his love on you. If you're anxious, and man, there's a lot to be anxious about in the world. Bills to pay. How do I raise my kids? I know I'm scared to even have kids because how how do I raise them? How can I be a good father? He'll pour down his peace on you. He'll give you patience. Here's the crazy thing in all of these. is I think it's funny. Faithfulness and self-control. He'll help us follow him. Isn't that awesome? He, his promise in Galatians 5 verse 22 to 23, when you have the spirit of the Lord upon you, is that he will help you be faithful to him. He will help you in your struggles. He will give you strength against temptation. He'll do all that for you we have to, when we come to him and we say, God, I receive your gifts. I want your gifts. I long for you. When we talk to him, when we quiet our hearts by reading our Bible, by getting together with Christians and non-Christians alike and just talking about stuff that's not, I mean, the Canucks are awesome, don't get me wrong, But going beyond the Canucks and talking about the deeper things in life. And you want to experience joy in the most amazing way? Go serve somebody. You want to experience joy? That is the way to do it. God just just loves a cheerful giver and a cheerful servant. So where are you at today? Where are you at today? Maybe you're here today and you're hurting. Maybe a loved one's uh, passed on or you got bad news of something going on in your life or your kids are misbehaving. <laughs> What's going on in your life? Do you have broken relationships? Stress? Worry? I want to give you an encouragement based on a... As- Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 3. Says, for the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind. The NLT in the message says heal, comfort up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives. Are you captive today? God says he'll bring freedom to you. And release from darkness for prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. And now he gets into party stance here. Listen to these, uh, just these making ready for a party statements. It says, and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of uh, ashes, the oil of gladness. The oil, the the makeup they wore of the day to make themselves look good to go to a party. Oil of gladness instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Is that not amazing? Look at the promises of, of God. Go back one slide there. Did you go back one slide? There we go. It says to bind up the brokenhearted. And if you're brokenhearted this morning, if you have this strong outer shell on, but inside you're just hurting, God wants to say to you, Come to me, rest in me. I want to comfort you. Where you're at, you see, the coolest thing is in Scripture, it says, He knows the amount of hairs on our heads. That's how much He loves His creation. How intimately connected he is with each of us. And so if you're broken, God wants to fill you. Holy Spirit, come upon us and comfort those who need it right now. If you're here today and you are struggling with something, I'm not going to make an exhaustive list because there is lots of struggles in the world. But if you are struggling with something, if you are are, are shackled to something, I want to say that God said he'd bring freedoms to the captives. So whatever you're struggling with, if there's a temptation or something that you're having to deal with, be free of it. God says, I love you. I want to renew you. And I want to give you strength. He loves you so much. And so if you're here this morning and if you're... uh, If you want to do something just like Josiah did, and I uh, asked the worship team just to come. If you want to do something just as Josiah did, Josiah recommitted Judah to God. And if you're here and you've been struggling and and maybe you just feel far from God, you're not really struggling with anything, but you haven't spent some quality time with God. And you're distant. I just want to give you that opportunity. some time to, to, uh, to rededicate your life, to recovenant as Josiah did. My prayer is that, that you would hear this and that you would rest in God. That you would answer the door because he's knocking and just allow him in. He will give you peace, and he will give you joy, and he'll do an amazing work in your heart. God, you are so amazing. We thank you that you know each of our needs and that you love each of us. As we quiet our hearts right now, won't you come? Thank you that you know us individually, that we are your sons and daughters, and you know us by name. You know everything about us, and you love on us. So come And meet with us individually in our time of need right now. The worship team is going to come and play softly. But friends, I encourage you, use this time. If you need healing, ask for it. He will come. Restoration. If you need life. There's going to be some people that can pray for you if you need it at the tables over there. And I invite the prayer partners to go there at this time just spend some time with your Father.